This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. A foster parent is a great title to have. Our situation is so rewarding that we can't now imagine our lives without these children in them. So some families have two foster mums, three children and two dogs. listener welcome to some families i am stuart Oakley, a dad of three and i am lottie jeffs a mum of a little girl who is about to turn two and we're here to talk about all sorts of lgbtq plus parenting issues and to invite some parents who are parents by all sorts of different means to talk to us about their experiences and if you are new very very warm welcome to you but if you're an old timer it's lovely to see you so Lottie how have you been this week I just feel like weeks are merging into weeks and I I don't know if I know who I am anymore it's funny not having the normal signifiers of my daily life around me I'm a mum at home and I've not left my local area for three months how are you I am very good. I I completely hear you. Days just fall into one. We escaped to the beach this week as the as the lockdown rules did get relaxed slightly, but even the day out of the house could not take away from the fact that the kids are just so intense sometimes. And I think they're getting to the age now, especially as my middle son is now two and a half and his elder sister is four. They just destroy the house, like the amount of things they have broken over the past few weeks or and it's just it just becomes just just a normal everyday thing now. And I think that's something maybe I've got to get used to for from here until they're in their teenagers and maybe beyond but you know new pairs of lovely sunglasses I've bought for them or or pieces of photography we have on the wall or appliances you name it they smash it they break it but I'm not going to complain because this week we are speaking to someone who is used to the ups and downs. I'm really excited that we get to speak to a foster carer. And so we spoke to 
Annabelle Avis, who is a foster carer that lives in Swindon. We spoke to Annabelle, who, along with her wife, Sally, have been fostering since 2013. And they have had 10 children in their care during that time. All different ages, all different backgrounds, life experiences, personalities. I mean, can you imagine what it takes? We got a really good sense of what life must be like as a foster carer and life as an LGBTQ plus foster carer when we spoke to Annabelle. So we really hope you enjoy. Talk to us about what it's like being in lockdown at the moment with them. It's definitely interesting, more than normal, but we've actually got, we found we've got quite a nice mix of the schoolwork and the family time and the exercise and the activities. So, so far, nobody is complaining about being bored, which is great. Everybody's managed to, you know, stay in one piece. So we're going to call it a win. How many kids do you have living with you at the moment? And Three. what are their ages? So the oldest is 15 and we have um, two younger siblings who are 10 and 9. And how long have they been with you? So the eldest is just coming up for five years now. And the younger two are three and a half years. Let's let's rewind and start back at the at the beginning. Maybe we could even start with how and when you met your wife and the first conversations you had about parenting. We used to work together a long time ago. Got back in contact in 2011. She was at a residential school for children and young people with autism. A few conversations later, and we sort of talked about the fact that it's something that I would like to do. So I ended up applying for the same job that she was doing. And I went to work at the same school. And then the rest, as they say, is history. We really, really enjoyed what we did at the residential school. But we found that we had more to give. And even though some of the children at the school were there for 52 weeks of the year, they never went home. And they didn't have, some of them didn't have a huge amount of visitors. So we felt that maybe we could do it in our home and be able to give that little bit more. So that's kind of it sort of snowballed quite quickly from there. But that's how we first had the conversation that we could have children in our home and do similar to what we do at the school, but maybe do it better. Was there ever a conversation between you and your wife about having children of your own via any form of means, such as adoption or even donor conception or surrogacy? Yeah, we did have the conversation. My wife was, she was very clear that if we if we wanted to have a baby, that was fine, but I was going to be the one that had to carry it. We had the conversation that we felt there were enough children out there that probably needed a loving home. And that actually the position we were in was that we could do that. There were enough children that needed it. So we, we just started to look at the adoption and the fostering rather than, I think, having our own at that point. What was the first step? So we did a lot of, we tried to do a lot of research. So we were doing a lot of research on the internet and we did look at adoption. We were looking at what was going to be best, but we felt what was coming through from the internet and what we felt a lot was around the training that you get with fostering. And we felt that, you know, adoption and fostering, the children have so many needs and so many differences that we were kind of wondering how prepared we would be. We, we were quite well skilled in the autism area, but we were wondering how well skilled we would be with other difficulties so we decided that actually, rather than just go in with adoption and feel like we didn't know enough, we went down the fostering route. We knew there was a lot of training and support and help. We ended up going with an independent fostering agency that we felt gave a really good amount of support and training to the to the carers in our area. And they rung us um, by Rivers Agency were the first ones to ring us. And it just, that was it. it everything they said cemented what we thought. We felt it was the right thing for us to do. And we just ran with it. So how long was the process then from applying to the agencies to then being fully approved as foster carers? The process of application was about six. 
And then there was a couple of months after getting through approval, we had a couple of respite placements before we went to a full-time placement. So it was about eight months from beginning to end. So plenty of time to get our heads around it and be prepared enough for when the first child arrived. How does that compare to adoption, Stu? Is that about the same timeline? I think that it sounds quite similar. You know, the training process you go through is fairly rigorous. I'm curious to know what kind of training processes you go through. We're very lucky to have a training capacity in our agency that basically within reason, most things we ask for, we get. So if there's a specific need comes up that hasn't arose before, we can generally put it forward as a good idea. But yeah, a lot around the trauma. um, That's one of the more significant training we do we do a lot of pace training like therapeutic training and things which always help a lot of things that enable us and give us the skills that we need to do the role that we do have you found that that kind of training and all those things you've learned have helped you as people and in your relationship as much as it's helped you as foster parents definitely yes I often feel and I often feel that other parents don't get this other parents don't have this help and support and this 24-hour person on the end of a phone that can help us with when a really difficult situation arises that no one's expecting. You know, everybody gets them, but we have people that help us and not everybody has that, do they? Without putting you on the spot, Annabelle, could you explain what PACE is? So it's all about the therapeutic parenting. So we're talking about turning everything around so that we don't get in those standoffs and those difficult situations where I've said you're going to do something and we're not moving until you do. It's about turning it around and it's about playful. One of them is playful and the curiosity of trying to figure out why the child is doing what they're doing and trying to get to a point where we can make sure that we don't come to this situation again. It's very different to normal parenting, therapeutic parenting. It just turns everything around and we find it's it's much more mindful. It doesn't get into the heated discussions and that I've said you must, so you must. It gives us a different view on things so that we can deal with the strange and bizarre situations in a different way I guess. Do you think that the very fact that you're not the parents you're the foster parents of these kids creates a bit of emotional distance that means it's easier to do that kind of very mindful and thoughtful parenting rather than reacting emotionally to things? Yeah I suppose it must do in a a sense I mean you know when we've had children with us for five years that you know the bond is is very good it's probably different for everybody depending on how long you've had the child and what kind of connection you have with them we are we are very fortunate that the three children we have we have an incredible bond with because they're all staying with us and we don't have to worry about them leaving or others come in and it just we're just a, a family unit and that makes it easier for us yeah so could you talk a little about your family unit being a same-sex couple and potentially how that's affected or not affected your role as a foster carer everything I do everybody always asks has it ever hindered us you know does it ever get in the way and our honest answer is it's never never hindered us at all if anything it's actually given us a leg up on other people we had a situation at the beginning with our first placement our first child that came to us full-time she didn't want to live with a man she she had really bad relationships and she want she didn't want to and there we were up against there was another couple a male and female couple up against us and obviously we were dealt as the the better match because she wanted to live with women and not a man so in in some circumstances I think we are we were given the better circumstance so we we got the child so it made life easier and I think the other couple didn't have the same situation we did. So I think they're different children, different situations. And I think we can actually sometimes be the right match in a same-sex couple, which is is better, I guess. I suppose there's a number of LGBTQ kids that need fostering. Have you experience of taking 
gay and buy trans kids into your into your home none up till now and we won't be for a few years because we're full now for the next three years we have got other carers in our local area that have uh, have often reach out to us if they have an issue or some they want some support or just somebody to speak to so it kind of works around even if it's not in our home that's really that's really nice that you've got that support network that yes they can lean on you and you can lean on them and are there many other lgbtq plus foster carers in your area that you know of with our agency we've got three sets in swindon in our area there are many more <laughs> further afield <laughs> but yeah three in our area which is which is quite nice and when the kids first come to you do they what do they know about you before they move in what's the process so ideally on a proper move they are given um, like a welcome booklet with our photo in a picture of our dogs and our house it's supposed to be done where we meet the children so with one child that was here we did get to meet them several times and we got to know them before they moved in and it was lovely and then with the younger siblings that we had it was classed as an emergency it was phone call at lunchtime can you have them there by tea time there's no time for photos so it was just a, here they are and you just straight in are any of them surprised that you're two women married to each other does that is that kind of a question that comes up from the kids it's, it's never come up yet if it's more their, f- their friends so we've had a couple of the playground questions of are you married yes we're married and you know the sort of the quizzical look and then they just go okay and skip off to play so but our children themselves haven't they haven't questioned it they just accept it is what it is and one of the children will often say that she's going to marry a woman and we make a point of saying that you know you marry whoever you want to marry um but they've already got it in their heads that they can marry whoever, you know a man or a woman so I think that's a nice thing and how do you divide up the the kind of work with the children between you do you find that you've got defined roles I we kind of have I do the pink jobs and Sally tends to do the blue jobs I do personal care I'm doing all the schoolwork at the moment Sally tends to do gardening it sort of does the outside jobs I would call it with them the you know pump up the bike tires and so we have just our normal roles what how we are um, I do the more motherly stuff so it kind of it just works for us do they what do the children call you your eldest sometimes refers to you as mum how do they refer to your wife as well so tend to be mum one and mum two numerical mums yeah <laughs> <laughs> how did you decide who was going to be one and who was going to be two they came up with it so I, I think it, we based it more on the maternal side that I tend to do the mothering stuff. So that's how they've gone with it. When it comes to children moving on from your house, and it's something I'm I'm particularly interested in as an adoptive parent, I feel must be such a huge challenge is the time you have to say goodbye to them. I think the, the difference with fostering is that the ones that have left us have, one, wanted to leave. So I think that was a very different situation. She was at a point where she just wanted, she kept running away to go home. She really wanted to be at home and we were quite far from home. So the decision was made that she needed to be closer to home, really for her safety. So it was what she wanted. So that kind of made the decision a little bit easier. Um, And the other one was easier in the sense that we knew he wasn't staying long term. He was always going home. We were always trying to get him back home. That was the goal. So we worked well to to do that. So actually, it was a happy ending to, in fact, for both of them, it was a happy ending because they both got what they wanted at the end of the day. So it makes our jobs a little bit easier if they're on board and it's what they want. I'm sure moving a child that doesn't want to be moved is, you know, a whole nother ball game. But we haven't touch wood, we haven't got to that point and had to do that at all yet. And have you ever had children in your care that have gone on to adoption? No, we haven't. Okay. No, but we're looking at adopting our younger two siblings. We're hoping to do it later this year. We're just starting the process. So 
again oh, it's not a quick process did that just feel like a natural thing that happened for you or because of their ages it just it has felt like the right decision it's what they want and it's what we want and so the they're family... the young ones yes yeah and we got the family on board the family are happy with the decision as well so that everyone's happy with it so it just feels like the most natural way to go so we've just got to get through all the red tape now do you think anything will feel different for you emotionally I don't think so I think we're fully as fully invested as we can be at this moment but who knows I'd suppose having that piece of paper they're desperate to change their names they want the name changes what they what they would like so yeah maybe seeing it on paper we're fully invested and it's what we really want and we feel like it we're already there we've got to just go through the red tape I guess to make it official but we did tell them we would have a you know, a huge celebration when it's official and make it a big party and, and do it properly. So we will get to celebrate it. And how do you and your wife's families feel about you being foster carers? My parents are fully thrown into it. They're, they are grandma and granddad. They take their role very seriously and they the children are treated the same as all of the other children in the family. It's, it's really nice that they are fully integrated. Again, because they're staying with us long term, they've been able to have that connection from the beginning and not know that the children are coming and going. And I think that makes it different for our extended family as well, to know that these ones are... They didn't treat the ones that were only staying short-term differently, but I think they've got the bond with the ones that are staying long-term, that they can actually have that connection as grandma and granddad. Somebody who's listening to this may be going through the adoption process. I think for a lot of adoptive parents, there is a great sense of anxiety around the process of introductions and going into a foster carer's home and basically moving in and slowly taking over the care of the children themselves. And it's a very daunting process. Is there a bit of advice from the training you've had or from the foster network you you speak to that you would give to those adoptive parents who might be about to face that situation? We've seen one of our close friends did it as a carer and we went through the whole process. You know, we watched it very closely with the new parents coming in and meeting the children and then stepping it up a gear and doing meetings at their house. And it was really nice to see them go on to their forever home I guess the only advice I would have was that you know often the foster carers are just as nervous as the adoptive parents because you know everybody wants it to work out we all want it to work and it's working together to make it work isn't it I guess here's a cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. 
Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. So if somebody's listening to this and they're thinking about becoming a foster parent or they've always been in the back of their mind that they wanted to be a foster parent, are there any myths out there that you think are not true and that you'd like to see broken down about foster carers? Yeah, I mean, we were told, initially, we were told to expect uh, expect to have our windows smashed, you know, expect to have our doors broken, expect to have our homes disrupted. And, you know, for some people, that is true. For some situations, things like that do happen. But actually, for majority of the people we know, and in our group, everybody has got what I would call very normal family lives. You know, apart from the, if you want to look at the trauma-related issues or the attachment issues that the children have, everything else is very normal you know I don't I've never had a window smashed I'll touch wood when I say it never had our house smashed up you know we've we've got what I'd call a normal family unit and I think people don't feel that that happens in fostering people think it's all the all the bad stuff all the negatives that you hear which you know they do go on but if it's the right match if the child is the right match for you then it's different and I think people don't I've seen carers come in and have the wrong match so it doesn't work out very well. And then they get disheartened and lose hope. But actually, a year down the line, with the right match, they suddenly start to see what we see. And that actually, we can make a difference. Can you talk a bit more about the matching process? Is it the same as it is with adoption, where you're able to choose the children who are right for you and your family? Yeah, so 99% of the time, so we get, we get a referral. It will come through saying which area is looking for foster carers. And it'll give them a description of the child and the needs. Um, it might say if they need to stay at their local school. And so you can look at the geographical logistics of getting them where they need to be. And then you can put yourself forward and say, yes, I think this is a good match. But what often happens, unfortunately, is that it becomes more of an emergency. And it's sometimes a phone call. There's a child needs placing today. And the information you get then is very, very sparse. But most carers I know don't turn the children away we take them in anyway and then the information filters through uh, a little bit further down the line we, we are supposed to choose the right matches for us and social workers will often say our supervising social workers will often say I think this is the right match for your family as well because they know as well but sometimes it is just a case of a child needs a home or bed for the night and mm. you take them in and see what happens have you ever had or or known of others that have experienced challenges from the birth family having issues with the foster carers? Not that necessarily under the circumstances they're in that they have a say, but I was just interested in in knowing if there has been anything that has arisen. Only only one in all of our history and everybody I know, only one situation, and I think that was down to religious reasons. And it didn't it didn't massively affect us. We we were just letting know that it was a problem and we needed to tread carefully so we did and it was fine it didn't really turn into anything so that wasn't a problem but I think it wasn't it didn't seem to be a personal issue it was more about the religion I think than anything that's such a positive to hear yeah. because I think part of the reason we want to do this podcast is to break down myths or questions that people may have that you know if, if someone's wanting to be a foster carer and they're worried about prejudice out there yeah. it sounds like whilst there is some out there it doesn't sound like there is a huge deal of it so yeah. that's very that's that's heartwarming to hear yeah what is the first day like when you have a new child in your house 
it's all very exciting. Everyone's always a bit nervous and we always find the children are very hyper. So it's a new setting, um, but we do everything we can. So we have we have a very special little cupboard with um, multiple quilt covers in and we always have spare toothbrushes. We have it set up. So when so the two children, the two younger siblings that came, the call was at lunchtime. They were there at tea time, but they both had a bed made up with, I want to say one was Lego men, I think. And one was My Little Pony. So something specific to them that they came into a bed made with their own quilt, um, a teddy on it. They had their own toothbrush. And, you know, the things they don't the things they don't come with, we make sure that they've got at the first instance. And it was a late night shopping trip to Asda because we had to quickly supply some clothes and some pyjamas and some other bits. So it was about making it special for them. So we we love that mm. that first day where we're these are your things, this is your room, this is your stuff, and it makes it more special for them. And then when we start to buy them the things that they need, it's making sure we get the things that they like. And it might be, I think it was like Batman pants at one point. Somebody loved Batman pants. So we went out of our way to make sure we bought Batman pants. So and we always talk about like how they would like the room, what colours, what decorating. And sometimes it might be as simple as just sticking up a poster because that's quick and easy and just making it theirs. And we normally do that within the first few days. I think that's one of the most important bits for making them feel like it's their home and settling them in. And that's just, that's the icebreaker for us, really. Once they've got their own teddy, their own room, their own quilt set and their own posters on the wall, it feels like, it starts to feel like home for them. Oh, it's so sweet. I just (laughs) can imagine being that kid and just, maybe it's even like the first time they've ever been given those sort of choices. Possibly. Those those children that I'm talking about had four moves in one week. They were moved four times in one week. They didn't get to stay anywhere more than one or two nights. So when they came to us, I think they just expected to move again the next day. It was the norm to just That's arrive, so sleep, move. Yeah. So it was nice to break that and say, actually, no, you're not moving tomorrow. And this is your room and this is your stuff. And we will be mm-hmm. taking you to school and we will be picking you up and yeah. just kind of break. And what, what do you happened. find are some of the, the kind of biggest challenges in those first few weeks with the kids and behaviour? It's, it's not so bad. We always have a honeymoon. We have a lovely honeymoon period. Some, some are longer than others. So that's always quite nice. The biggest challenge for us will often be the logistics of school runs, clubs. So it might be I've got to be at three schools in the space of 20 minutes. And it's it's so I have to, it takes me a couple of weeks to get into the routine and figure out the best place to be, drop people off, pick up and um, and work out routes. So we're quite We've got very good at it. Same if we look if we was to be looking at a referral to bring a child in now, I would have to be looking at can I manage that school run in amongst the ones I've already got now. So it's it's the logistics of running a household, which I guess every parent has to do, but you suddenly have to change your routine like in a second. The whole routine has to change tomorrow morning and it it can be quite daunting, I guess, but we do it. We get on with it, we we figure out a new route, we figure out our new routine and our best way of dropping everybody off where they need to be, and we just do it. How do you and your wife relax and like look after yourselves and your own relationships? So we like to have, um, we don't, we don't use the term respite with the children. We never have. They like to have sleepovers with family and we use that. So we've got lots of friends and family that help us and that we have, they go to the same people each time. So maybe every couple of months they'll go for a weekend sleepover and they love going for their sleepovers. They like having, where there's three children in the home, obviously one-on-one time can be a little bit challenging so they love going and having sleepovers and having that one-on-one time away from each other especially the siblings they love having a night or two away from each other so we find that a really big help to just make sure that we get 
the odd date night in or going to the gym and you know going to the spa and doing the things that we like to do without having to to worry about the children because we know they're in good hands when they're with our family and friends so that really helps we have a character on our show called aunt sally who is no reflection on on your wife (laughs) she just (laughs) happens to have the same name she is basically the person that asks the most rude inappropriate borderline homophobic ignorant kind of comments that makes you feel really frustrated angry annoyed do you have any aunt sally moments that you could share with us do you know what unfortunately i don't (laughs) i say unfortunately but that's probably a good thing that everybody always asks like but we just haven't had any any situations arise we're just so lucky that everybody we know just accepts us for who we are and supports what we do and it just it just it just seems so I think that's why the kids are okay it just becomes this is just normal it's so normal for us and it's normal for the kids and it just I don't know I I don't know what I'll do if anything ever arises because it's never been an issue before in our lives so um we're very fortunate that I haven't had to come across anything when you meet new people say at schools or clubs and stuff do you say I'm their foster parent or do you say I'm their parent we used foster at the moment we use foster parent that's the eldest will often refer to us as mum to friends because she prefers it that way so we kind of take on what the kids want so the younger ones want the adoption before we say it so they're very much foster carer for now but we're foster parent for now and we'll be parent so they want that clear one is now when the official paperwork goes through it, it's the other so we we've stuck with it for now so um but I think you know, foster parent is still a, a great title to have indeed especially when you're doing such a smashing job that you both are doing <laughs> that's but- amazing like to just be primed for parenting like as I know it it's like a gradual thing that you're growing yeah, with no. a child and you're learning <laughs> along the way but it's like you could literally have a baby a teenager a, and each of those phases of a child's life comes complete with its own um challenges right I'm just impressed basically <laughs> that, that you know how to do that we're lucky to have the support so I know we've got um, a, a local group of our carers and if I was to put a message out saying got a baby coming tonight has anyone got any stuff I can guarantee you stuff would be flooding our way so you know we're really lucky to have that mix of carers as well and other people that have had babies got babies and have extra so I know there was um, a couple of cots were moved around our group recently um, and some high chairs and things so it, it does happen you know that people just help each other it's we're all in the same boat we can all get any child at any time so you have to be prepared and will you ever stop we talked about it. So when our youngest will be 18, Sally will be close to retirement age. Not that she'll admit it, but we have talked about whether we would want to stop at that point. We're happy, but we've said that actually a lot of people still do this in retirement. It's one of those roles that you can do as much or as little as you want. So even if we were just doing respite to help people um, and doing short-term breaks or um, bridging placements to help children find the right adopters and things, and it, it might be something that we can do. So I don't, I, it's not on the cards yet and I can't see it being on the cards for quite some time so uh, for the moment our options are, are are keeping firmly open. Oh brilliant and do you have any advice for other LGBTQ plus people thinking about fostering? Just go for it it is that simple I just we just try and tell people to just just take the plunge because 
it's one of those things that once you do it, you don't look back. And it is very rewarding. Our situations is so rewarding that we can't now imagine our lives without these children in them. And if we hadn't taken that plunge, I don't, I don't actually know where we'd be or what we'd be doing. You know, the situation would be very different. So it is a case of, you know, just do it. It is literally just do it. I found myself getting a little bit emotional, surprisingly, there talking to Annabelle Stew. It really touched me just thinking about being the child and going into their home for the first time. And maybe it's like the middle of the night and you've just gone from one chaotic situation to another. And then there's this room for you with a bed with a little My Little Pony quilt and a teddy on your bed just for you and your toothbrush and like just how meaningful and comforting that must be for these children and just feeling so sad for the kids for being in that situation but also so grateful that people like Annabelle and her wife exist to take care of them. I think it's people like them that have just so supportive and mean so much to these kids that do come into care and they go through so much trauma and they go through such a huge ordeal and and I mean and it continues you know as I said a lot of the children that that are in foster then go on to adoption our foster carers for our children they always said the hardest thing that they ever had to see was sometimes the children going back to the birth families when they knew in their hearts knowing the birth family knowing the child that that was not the right circumstance for them and they knew it was going to be a repetitive situation and the things that they see and the things that they have to deal with and the unknown as well like she was talking about their daily routine could be completely different from one day to the Mm. next depending on a call that they get in the middle of the night which is incredible again I'm just bowled over by other people's resilience in parenting and just that attitude that we had with the Atwell Bryce family as well of just like well, you just do it, don't you? You just Mm. get on and do it. I mean, yes, of course, there's moments where it's like incredibly hard, but just that spirit of and that energy, Mm. I kind of recognised from the Atwell Bryce family as well. And just, I'm so in awe of it. And I guess I I wonder if I've got it in me. My husband's always wanted to foster. Really? And yeah, and actually he wanted to foster. We had the conversation about fostering before we went into the conversation about adopting. But it was interesting what Annabelle said, because it's almost the opposite of what my husband and I did, is that she felt that they wanted to they wanted to get the tra- the more training they could get through fostering to then be able to look after a child, whereas they didn't feel they'd get that with adoption. Whereas my point of view was always, I'm, I'm totally up for fostering and I would consider it in the future. Although having seen what our foster parents have gone through with our children and the emotional trauma almost that they felt I I that's where my selfishness comes into it that I don't think I could say goodbye to a child that I've had especially an infant so it's definitely something I want to look at in the future and I'd love to work with somebody like the Albert Kennedy Trust in the future who help emergency home teens that have been kicked out of home for LGBTQ related issues I think that's something I'd really be up for in the future. But right now, with the children and the ages that they are, it's not something we're we're exploring. I thought it was interesting what Annabelle said about the the pace parenting as well, and how actually how all parents would have that, and it's not something that's widely. Yeah, I think, it's funny, isn't it? You get NCT classes which teaches you how to deal with 
the first few days of birth and the pregnancy and that sort of thing but like hello what about the rest of it if you if you're an adoptive parent you know the word pace but if you're not i would recommend having a look at some of the the books and articles related to pace yeah i'm definitely going to check that out it stands for playfulness acceptance curiosity and empathy and about how you can have those four pillars of parenting in any situation oh that sounds great yeah what did you think about um Annabelle's use of of language and talking about them being a normal family well you know what I think about the word normal Lottie but (laughs) I think everybody has their own definition of normal and normal is whatever works for for the person in that situation and quite frankly when you're dealing with children in a care system and who are dealing with various trauma issues a sense of normality is so so important for them and so I completely understand why for them Mm. normal is such a key thing. Yet again I've learned so much from this podcast and from just talking to you Stu and finding out your experience of adoption and from all of our amazing guests that we've had on it's been another great episode. It has and I've been really looking forward to speaking to a foster carer so thank you Annabelle for joining us and if you are thinking about fostering or if you want to know any more information we've whacked loads of information of links etc into our show notes this week so you can have a look and see if there's anything there that takes you fancy but I think that's time for us to to wrap it up Lottie. Yeah nice to see you Stu we'll see you same time same place next week i'll see you around on zoom lottie bye bye want to get a chiseled look in the jawline sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from juvederm volux xc juvederm volux xc is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with juvederm volux xc for important safety information and to find a licensed specialist visit juvederm.com that's j-u-v-e-d-e-r-m.com not for people with severe allergic reactions allergies to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.